Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the revolutionarywomen.fm podcast. This episode is for you if you have had enough of being told to be resilient, if you think that bouncing back is overrated and like me, you think it might even be dangerous. We're going to talk about what true resilience is, where it comes from and why that is what we need to be able to make a bigger difference in the world. Hello and welcome. It's me, your host, Claire Yosa, with episode nine of the RevolutionaryWomen.fm podcast. And we're back after a bit of an impromptu break because I had to show some resilience, which we'll come to later in the episode. I want to start, though, by talking about what resilience is. So it's something I hear a lot from HR directors and from CEOs is they want their teams to be more resilient. It's a bit of a buzzword these days. And when I ask them, what do you mean by resilience? How will you know when they are more resilient? What behaviours will you see? They talk about bouncing back from adversity. They talk about being able to handle more stress and higher pressure. They talk about being able to handle difficult situations. They talk about being able to face challenges and come back out on top. And the thing with all of these definitions of resilience is it means you have to go through the brown stuff and bounce back quickly. Now, I actually think this is really dangerous. If you have read my books like Dare to Dream Bigger and Ditching Imposter Syndrome, you'll know I talk a lot about the mind-body-emotion link. When you go through something that's really stressful, that requires you to be truly resilient, It has an effect on more than your thoughts. Your thoughts fire chemical reactions, biochemical reactions in the body that are run by your autonomic nervous system. So they are beyond your conscious control. These chemical reactions fire off the fear and stress hormones. So that's stuff like cortisol and adrenaline that get us ready for the fight, flight, freeze. That in turn feeds our emotions because at their simplest level, emotions are chemical reactions in the body. Those emotions feed the thought and suddenly we're caught in the mind story drama. The other thing is when you go through the brown stuff and you're living and breathing the fight, flight, freeze response, your body is only caring about survival. And so it does things like it reduces the blood flow to the frontal cortex in the brain that comes up with your brilliant ideas, redirects it to the primal part that only cares about surviving the saber-toothed tiger. So it also affects performance. I was really shocked to hear in the news today, as I'm recording this episode the day it comes out, that a senior government department has a member of senior staff that's been telling people if they are stressed, they should quit their job. And this is the problem. Resilience is being used to justify toxic working environments. It's being used to ask people to put up with toxic negativity and unreasonable levels of stress. And then we wonder why we have a mental health epidemic. A study by Deloitte published in the last couple of weeks has shown that companies that actually proactively invest in the mental health of their employees see a five-fold return on every pound they spend. So we know the data is there that happy employees perform to their best. So why do we want everybody to be resilient? Well, I think it's down to this culture of pushing on through the whole feel the fear and get out there and do it anyway. We're denying how we're feeling. We're trying to behave like robots. And the kind of resilience that we're being told we need to be demonstrating actually leads to burnout. I 
regularly go in and give talks at schools in addition to the work I do with business leaders. And one of the things I'm often asked to do is to give a talk on how children can be more resilient. And every single time I refuse. I do not want my kids to be resilient. I don't want to teach them how to go through the pain and bounce back as though everything is fine and nothing had happened. There is a different kind of resilience that I teach and the schools, once I explain the difference, do normally give me permission to teach it because they can see its benefit. Now, back when I was an engineer and I just graduated, my first ever job interview was with the chief engineer of a company and the director of HR. And the director of HR had no background at all in engineering or maths. And I fell for that classic postgrad question of, oh, tell me what your favourite topic is in maths. And without thinking, I replied to this guy and I just said, oh, Laplace transforms. Now, that's the kind of math that is so fiendishly complicated that it can take two or three blackboards to solve a single problem. And frankly, you've earned yourself a pint in the student bar if you manage to get it right. But I loved the patterns, the complexity and that thrill of getting to the end and having the right answer. Ah, the trap I then fell into was he said, OK, great, HR director. She's got no maths background. Explain to her why she should care about Laplace transforms. What do they do? So that moment of desperation. And I thought, you know, I should just get up and leave this interview now because clearly I've failed. And then as I looked around the room for inspiration, I spotted a table leg. And it reminded me that at their essence, one of the things you can use Laplace transforms for is working out whether when you hit something, it will wobble and shake itself to bits until it disintegrates or whether it will wobble and come back to equilibrium. And one of the things it can be used for, for example, is modelling how a skyscraper will perform in winds and storms to make sure it won't shake itself to bits. One of the things I learned when I was studying Laplace transforms is it's really important that things are not rigid. They have to be able to wobble because otherwise when they get hit or kicked or knocked or buffeted by life storms, if they're too rigid, they will just shatter. I remember being in New Zealand a couple of days after the Christchurch earthquakes and being taught by people who lived there that it was so important that their buildings could wobble a little bit when they lived in an earthquake zone, because otherwise when the foundations were shaken, the buildings would just shatter. 2008, when I was studying to be a meditation teacher, one of the real light bulb moments I had was realising that I didn't have to flatline. I didn't have to, in order to be a great meditation teacher, I didn't have to pretend I never experienced emotions. I didn't have to push those emotions down. I didn't have to never get angry or never get sad or never get cross. The key was to look at my inner calm like a pendulum and to accept that life would knock that pendulum and that my job was to make sure that that knock didn't actually cause it to wobble very far And that it came back to equilibrium to that inner calm as quickly as possible. And this is what I teach for resilience. The modern version of resilience that CEOs are asking for is like being in an earthquake zone and having your foundation shaken through stress or having to push through and being so rigid that you just don't show any effects of that. They want you to be like robots. They don't want to have to deal with human emotions. There's an article for you on the show notes page for this episode about why we need to get over our fear of the F word. And I mean feelings, 
not the rude one. So make sure you go and read that. And you can find that at revolutionarywomen.fm forward slash episode 009. So the way I teach resilience is life is going to throw brown stuff at us. Our job is to to accept that that might wobble us a bit, but to have such good foundations and such above the surface flexibility that it doesn't need to knock us completely for six. And I'm not talking here about the kind of bouncing back after hugely horrible things like losing a loved one or having a horrible medical diagnosis. I'm talking about day-to-day resilience in a working environment. Now, firstly, we should not be permitting any company to ask its staff to be resilient to toxic negativity, toxic stress and a toxic working environment. Those companies do not deserve great staff. They don't deserve any staff. When we're talking about resilience... The best way to be truly naturally resilient is to be confident in your own skin, to have cleared out your blocks so that people can't press the buttons because there aren't as many buttons to press, and to know how to tame your mind story dramas. Now, I talk about this a lot in Dare to Dream Bigger and in Ditching Imposter Syndrome. And actually, if you've got Ditching Imposter Syndrome available from Amazon and all good bookshops and the audiobook is coming out very soon, make sure you're on my waiting list, ditchingimpostorsyndrome.com forward slash audiobook. If you've got Ditching Imposter Syndrome, there's a whole section on resilience in step five, which starts on page 260. If you've got the Kindle version, look for the resilience myth when you search. Our mind story dramas affect how we experience life. And a huge amount of the stress that we struggle with, whether it comes from workload, whether it comes from dealing with difficult people, whether it comes from life events, is actually caused by the stories we tell ourselves about it. The single biggest thing you can do to become more naturally, genuinely resilient is to know how to change the stories you're telling yourself. That is the whole point of step two in ditching imposter syndrome. So go and dive in on those strategies. It guides you through step by step how to set yourself free from your inner critics mind story drama so they don't those stories don't kick off the fight flight freeze response. This is basically how you train your inner pendulum not to be knocked for six every time something goes wrong so that you can ride life's waves instead of drowning under them like a tsunami. And I've had a practical example of this in my own life recently. It's one of the reasons why the podcast stopped for a few weeks, which was completely unplanned. I took my 12-year-old son out to South Africa. He's out there for a whole term on a school exchange. Don't ask me as a mama, that's really kind of tough. Yeah. And this exchange has run for about 30 years and it's run without a problem at all. And My son took one for the team. It's the first time there's actually been a problem and it wasn't his fault. It uh, meant he had to leave his host family and it was extremely traumatic and quite serious. And dealing with that from 7,000 miles away has been really, really challenging. I've had to be very resilient. There was one point And I still remember that particular Thursday evening when something really serious has happened. Don't worry, my son is fine. Something really serious has happened to him. And my husband was on the phone to me that evening. He said, Claire, I think you might actually have a breakdown. And I had to explain to him, actually, no, 
That's not going to happen because I am being resilient about this. I had gone through some extraordinarily intense emotions that day. The content of what happened isn't a topic for this podcast. Sorry, anybody who likes gossip. And I had to go through the middle of those emotions and come out the other side. And I told myself that by the end of the evening, I would have done that. And I I did that by making sure I wasn't feeding the mind story dramas. Okay, so here is the self-mentoring question that I used, and you can use it for yourself if you find yourself getting stuck in this spiral that you know is going to need you to have to bounce back and be resilient. What's true in this? What is true and what is my projection based on the assumptions and the filters in my brain's reticular activating system, which is the bit that governs what sensory information we notice from the outside world? What's true in this and how am I potentially cranking up this drama? I did what I needed to do to make sure I was just dealing with pure facts. And when I was asking people for help, because that is the key in resilience, is you don't have to do this yourself, is get the help that you need and take the practical action. As I was doing all of that, I was making sure I was presenting the facts and not the drama so that I wasn't making it worse. And I didn't let go and pretend everything was fine and float off on my 29th chakra and trust whichever higher force you want to trust that my son would be okay. I took the action that was needed. I was on standby to fly out to South Africa to sort this. It was that serious. But I had to bounce back in a way that was healthy. That didn't mean I had suppressed the emotions from some of the fairly traumatic events that had been going on. And the fact that I was 7,000 miles away meant I felt really quite helpless at times, particularly when I didn't get the answers I needed from people who were on the ground there who could actually help. What I also had to do was realise that actually to support my son through the rest of his trip, I needed to completely scale back my workload and I needed to take out anything to which I was not contractually committed. I had to clear my diary so I could be on standby to help him, but also to allow myself that emotional space to be able to perform at my best for my clients whilst also being there for my family. So I cut out everything from my diary that was not absolutely essential. And that meant I had to do things like let myself and my lovely listeners down on my podcast. But I knew that that way, when I came back, I would be whole and grounded and happy rather than frazzled, stressed, burnt out and potentially needing months off. So this is how true resilience happens. To do this, as I say, It's about taming those mind story dramas. It's about having really clear boundaries on what's acceptable in other people's behaviour. And one of the things that stood me in great stead over the past decade is actually meditation. And in the next few months, I'm actually going to be running a live round of my 28-day meditation challenge. So if you want to find out about that, there is a link on the show notes page to get on the waiting list. That is at revolutionarywomen.fm forward slash episode 009. There's more to meditation than listening to apps. When you know how to meditate, you know how to calm your mind. You don't have to make it go silent, but it takes you out of the stress cycle. It gives your body, your mind, your emotions that chance just to recharge and to reconnect. And if you are a revolutionary woman, meditating regularly is one of the most potent things you can do to connect with your intuition, to build up your energy levels, to be able to do things like influence authentically. So pop over to the show notes page and 
let me know there if you want to be on the waiting list for when we do that live round. I haven't done a live round of this program for five years, so it's going to be absolutely amazing. And it only takes 10 minutes a day and it could change your life forever. So to wrap up today's episode, I think personally that the resilience myth of bouncing back from adversity as though it's never affected you and being able to be super tough and gritted teeth determination, all of that I think can be really damaging. I think it's much more important for us to learn how not to be affected by life's curveballs as much so that there's nothing to be resilient to. And I'd love to hear from you. When have you recently been resilient? And what could you celebrate about that? What worked for you? And what advice might you give the future you on how to be more naturally resilient so that there's nothing to bounce back from? Show notes are at revolutionarywomen.fm forward slash episode 009. Make sure you've subscribed via iTunes, Stitcher, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying Revolutionary Women, please take a moment and leave a review on iTunes to let people know why they would love it. It makes such a difference. I can't wait to be back next week with episode 10 when we're going to be talking about how to find the energy to change the world when you're already doing all the other things. So make sure you're subscribed so you catch that episode and you can also get an email reminder when each episode comes out at revolutionarywomen.fm. Have an amazing week.